Welcome to All Villa, No Villa, a new podcast all about the world's best football team, Aston Villa. This week, we introduce the first in a new series looking at community groups that support Aston Villa. In the first of our All Villains series, Roisin and I spoke to Samuel Timms, who is the founder and chair of Villa and Proud, an LGBTQ plus supporters network. Hi, Sam. It's great to have you on. So who are Villa and Proud? Thank you for having me. Um, Villa and Proud are the official LGBTQ plus supporters network for Aston Villa Football Club. Um, and we are the fastest growing LGBT supporters network in the country um, with almost 400 members now. And we've been running for just over two years. In football or across all sports? In football. And am I right in thinking that you founded Villa and Proud? That's correct, yeah. I founded it um, back in November 2018. I spoke to the club um, with my partner, Gary, uh, who's a Charleston Athletic fan. Um, we we got invited to the club in, t- in 2018, uh, around June time, and in November at the uh, 5-5, which is the first of a 5-5 to happen at Villa Park, which was <laughs> Aston Villa versus uh, Forest, um, was when uh, Villa and Proud was launched. And what inspired you to do it? Where did the idea sort of come from? So I'm a gay man myself and Mm -hmm. I've been working uh, around equality, diversity and inclusion in football for a good number of years beforehand. And uh, the club reached out to to me directly. And I I don't know why it didn't really ever dawn on me, but yeah, the thing is, is that the club sort of put put it on me to sort of, have a meeting and we came up with uh, the name Villa and Proud and uh, a lot of things. But the, the importance of why it was set up was the fact that still today in football, um, and football is a fantastic sport, it's, it's arguably the best sport in the world. Um, I love it to bits. It's always been a part of my life. Um, but uh, there was always this sort of disattachment between your sexual orientation or gender identity in football and it being welcomed in the sport. So the whole point of these, these groups, and there's, there's groups set up with a lot of clubs up and down the country, but um, for my passion of Aston Villa Football Club and my passion for equality and, and just making people feel welcome was everything behind Villa and Proud. Do you feel welcome, safe, um, being an open and proud member of the LGBTQ plus community and around football fans? It's a really, it's a really interesting question um, and a question that gets asked a lot as a gay man myself, you have to change your personality in different situations because let, let's let's put an example out there is that I would never feel comfortable holding the hand of you know a same-sex partner um, to Villa Park. Would never feel comfortable doing that. It's not the fault of anybody around us. It's just football has never been welcoming on that side of it. Um, Villa and Proud definitely is a an identity. Um, it's becoming... Uh, and what I say to our members um, and how I sort of sum it up is that uh, Villa and Proud is, is a bit of armour um, and that armour is getting thicker, it's getting uh, prouder, it's getting, it's getting louder and it's allowing people to, to be empowered. I get empowered by members every day. We have a fantastic bunch of people with, with fantastic mindsets for inclusion um, and at Aston Villa, that's, that's everything I want it to be. I want Aston Villa, which I think is... You know the, the best club in the world 
to have the best LGBTQ plus sports network in the world. So the club itself is aware that, that a lot more seemingly needs to be done to make people like you feel, feel comfortable in their space and at Villa Park. Yeah, of course. I think, I think football, to a degree, understands that. The same question pops up a lot. You know, why is there no openly gay or bisexual player in the Premier League? But there are plenty of LGBTQ plus fans, people that are sitting amongst people at Villa Park enjoying the game just as much as anybody else would. And people still don't think that football is particularly a place where you're going to find a lot of gay people, bisexual or trans people, because um, football hasn't ever been raised up to be that way. Uh, it's always been quite tribal uh, and masculine, you know, this toxic masculinity that we talk about. But it's crazy, actually, when you think about it, we're, we're talking about football and uh, it's 90 minutes, you know, it's 11 v 11, you know, officials, managers, we're absolutely encapsulated by it and we spend our own money to watch it. But in the stands, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of homophobia, racial slurs, sexist slurs that are thrown about and, and people kind of say it uh, without really thinking. So the most important thing is, is that, yeah, we get to a point where people can just grasp onto the, to, to the idea that Aston Villa Football Club supports LGBTQ plus people. You mentioned the, the kind of homophobic slurs and racist slurs that, that we hear week in, week out in the stands. The fight against racist slurs we've started to see being fought on the pitch. Is that something yeah. that you think, well, presumably you think we should see that on the pitch, um, the, the kind of fight against homophobia coming from players as well? I don't know how, whether you think players do tackle that um, in the same manner, and if not, how you think they should. Players can make these um, steps and strides to, um, to support equality because that's fundamentally what we're trying to achieve. And people... People always come up with the words like, you know, keep politics out of football. And it's not political. Um, it's just about people mm. that, because people think that people are out and we don't want to know. So people might see a visual thing on, on Twitter, on websites, on, on Sky Sports or wherever. And they'll be like, you know, stop, stop giving it to us. You know, stop throwing it down our throats. Or this, or, um, the same stuff that happens every year in, year out. Mm. Um, it's because no one's ever out and no one goes into a stadium and has a massive banner above them saying I'm gay, I'm bisexual, I'm trans. Um, it's you, you the, the, the worst bit is away fans is, is going to an away, uh, which I love going to any football stadium to go and watch a game. But on away days, it's a completely different, different atmosphere. You don't know who you're going to sit next to. The question they might ask you is say, you know, is your girlfriend here or whatever? How do you respond to that? And and all it's taking is just the matter of fact of where football clubs, um, as our largest ally, as an organisation, um, can ask the questions um, and and answer them, you know, and and try and make sure that football is a welcoming place for everyone. So once all this is over, I know that I know that's a you know a kind of a ridiculous <laughs> statement in itself. But what sort of thing? can you do can we do as allies what what can we all do again a really good question uh everyone needs to look at themselves as an ally mm. and uh, just because i'm gay doesn't mean that i can't be an ally i'm an ally of someone's color i'm an ally of someone's disability um and the opposite sex and gender 
is that what we need to do is is and i hate using the word education so i, I suffered um i suffered quite badly with dyslexia at school I had to go to special needs school for it so what i can do is i can always put myself in people's shoes where maybe reading up on um, information can be quite difficult for them and what we need to do is is actually use what we all love and that's aston villa football club and aston villa themselves as an organization can help bridge these gaps can help people realize that if we were to put the answer to villa fans and say do you want to have a really great club but have a reputation of bad fans no one would ever want a reputation of bad fans everyone wants a reputation of good fans and and that's that's fundamentally what it is being an ally though is is making sure that when you do hear discrimination when you see it online you hear it in the stands when whenever that will be when we get get to go back to, to football stadiums stand up because the more of us that can stand up and challenge it the more the more we're going to do good in, in the game so i think allyship is is something great and also clubs need to look at themselves as an ally and how they can support it as well and when you look ahead what are your aims for villa and proud and how do you plan on achieving it so our mission statement is uh, to empower support and build lgbtq plus inclusion for fans, players and staff, members of Aston Villa Football Club. Um, and our aims are to, to basically put ourselves out of business, no longer <laughs> exist, <laughs> get to a point where people don't need to have a special branch, if you want to call it that, as, as something has to be. We're a support network. You know, we have, we have people that have fundamentally felt like they've, they've had something extra on top of their villa experience so how i do put it is aston villa to all of us all of us as villa fans and how i put it in my in myself is that aston villa is the ice cream cone and ice cream that you have on a really nice hot summer's day and you love it and you can't wait to have it and it makes you feel of good times it makes you think of the summer and just brings it reminisces all these good times what villa and proud is is the the flake the syrup the sprinkles on top it's an added bonus that the club can't give yet because football isn't there to understand how to change um, hearts and minds. It's not, about, it's not about making people change because you can't tell people to just change. You have to give them sometimes experiences on, actually, that makes sense. Actually, what does it mean to be discriminated against? Because I do hear a lot about offensive and discrimination. There's, there's a completely different... Um, they're two completely different words and meaning two different things. But the whole aim of Aston Villa and Villa and Proud is to just make sure that this can be the, the aid where, where football players will finally get to a point where someone is going to get to the point where they feel safe and welcomed. We know in the behind the scenes that people like Dean Smith, who has a fantastic philosophy as a manager, is going to make sure there's an inclusive environment in the changing room and with the team. But fans and supporters in football are not ready to embrace a player coming out. Uh, so I was going to ask about the, the players. What, you know, presumably there are a large amount of players that are from the LGBTQ plus community um, and are not out. You know, there are, are names that we know of um, that have come out and have, have suffered because of it. Um, what is it about their role in particular that perhaps stops them from coming out? Um, and how do 
do we support them as well as as well as our, our fans? If I was to be a professional football player and I was playing for Aston Villa right now, I wouldn't come out. I, I'm probably the proudest I've ever been in myself for my sexual orientation. And and what I mean by that is that you know it's it's not a choice. It's something that will will be in someone's brain for a very long time. And someone I can use um, that was attached to Aston Villa is Thomas Hitzelsberger, um, a player that came out after he he basically um, you know put his boots in the cupboard, I guess you know, and 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 hung hung up his boots and uh, and left Aston Villa Football Club and um, and and retired uh, as a professional footballer and that was the only opportunity he had to to embrace um the footballing world that he is a gay man and we just need to have allies we need to have we need to have people in the game uh that you know there was an open letter that went to um twitter and facebook and that was from the fa uh governing bodies like um kick it out and the pfa and the thing is, is that no player is ever going to feel welcome and, and safe. And when we talk about safe, we talk about, you know, their lives, um, friends and family around them. Football's never going to get there until we actually change um, the views that we have in, in, in the stadiums. And, you know, if we have 100 people and, you know, they're in a box at Villa, you know, like a, and there's 1,000 people sat in this area and you've got 100 people, that are all allies, the effects that that can have on changing that thousand around them to finally get to a point where actually, I really want to come to a football match. It's it's no different going to theatre. We go to football to get entertained. I love it. Yes, it completely changes my mood if we lose a game, completely changes it when we win a game. It's it's the whole point of why we love football. and, And it is tribal, you know. Aston Villa is, is everything to me. I don't think there's any other club better than Aston Villa. But that's because I'm a Villa fan. And that's the same for any other fan up and down the country. So, but the most important thing is, is that uh, we're talking about equality. And what that means is just being a really nice person. It's just about making sure that every single person is, is welcomed into your family. And that's what Aston Villa football is. That's what, that's what a football club is. It's, it's a family. People go, sit down, they sing together. It's crazy. And, and people think it's okay to just sort of, you know, have casual discrimination, which is casual homophobia, mm. racism. And then the issue is, is on social media and online, um, it escalates. Well, I was going to say that, you know, when I went to school, uh, I left school maybe 2004. And when I played mm. football around that time as well, I would say what you just said, casual homophobia was just the norm. Well, I'm in school every day. It's still the norm. 20 was, years later. Well, I was going to say, do you think that something like Villa and Proud and other organisations similar to Villa and Proud working with a variety of football clubs within the UK, around Europe, do you think this could actually be a turning point that will lead to the start of a change in attitude? Are you, are you hopeful of that? Of course. Um, I've been going to Villa Park since the age of six. I'm now 30, unfortunately. And um, I've been sitting in the same block at Villa Park um, in Dugger stands, it's where my dad's always taken me. If I was to look at my younger self, and I knew I was gay for a very long time, still going to Villa Park, um, still watching the games, um, living two completely different lives, 
um, one at home with my family and another another away from that uh, where I had a boyfriend at the time and wasn't even out to my family. And what it would have meant for me, for my younger self, to go and see stuff like the Villa and Proud Banner that's at Villa Park mm. uh, and just having the conversations that are coming from the club about it and around the Premier League and the EFL um, would be massive. Do you also work with other LGBTQ plus or, uh, supporters networks involved with other football clubs? Yeah, no, definitely. So um, uh, this weekend uh, we are running, so beginning of lockdown, um, we were, we are very proactive on, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. And um, we have done a, no, a, a number of initiatives where we've included other LGBTQ plus supporters groups around the country. Uh, we did a FIFA tournament over five days, um, which wasn't just specifically around LGBTQ plus. It was around any uh, minority groups uh, representative at clubs around the country. Uh, that was a five-day tournament. That was back in April 2020. And, um, and something very recent and still happening today, uh, this weekend will be our 250th day anniversary, not year, um, 250th day anniversary um, of where we launched and instigated pre-match socials. Mm-hmm. Um, so back, back in the game, Back on the game um, of Project Restart against Sheffield United uh, around that famous ghost goal that um, seems to break <laughs> social media. Um, we 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 started something called pre-match socials. Before that, we were we were having weekly socials with members um, on every two weeks or so uh, on on Zoom, just having people have a conversation um, to support mental health isolation. And any issues that they may have, and just and just or to just basically have a community again. Um, so pre-match social, uh, when we launched it, I, I said to the committee, I said we invite the opposition because um, so other LGBT fan groups, part of that club, we invite them to be on the same call, and right. it still raises people's eyebrows now, and they're like, why do you do that? Mm. Why would you not do that? And the thing yeah. is, is that in football, we we have this tribal atmosphere where you cannot like the opposition yes look half my family are Birmingham City fans <laughs> I can't stand Birmingham City but when it comes when it comes down to LGBT inclusion or racial inclusion you know it's 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 getting to a point where you you have to sort of I've changed as a football fan where I've realized you know my my love for Aston Villa actually in the grand scheme of things is a couple of uh, places down and everything above that is about equality and inclusion. And our pre-match socials have gone from strength to strength. Um, and what's what's now happened? It's, it's sort of it seeped into other supporter groups where they now do the same, and where they can now invite the opposition. And if anything, you want the Premier League and the EFL to look at it and go, actually, football can work where people can sit next to each other without wanting to strangle one another. Um, yes, I love the fact that during 90 minutes, you get completely encapsulated in a game. You can get, it's a roller coaster of emotion, of course. Um, and that would never, I don't want that to change. We don't want it to become cricket, right? <laughs> we want it to be football still. Yeah. But we want it to be at a point where people can value just another human being that is just 
watching the same game as you. What active actions would you like to see from Aston Villa itself going forward? When we look at Aston Villa Football Club itself, um, I love it to bits. Um, and what Aston Villa Football Club is in terms of football, in terms of its size and stature, it's a massive oil tanker and it's ploughing through the water. But when we're having to try and get to equality and diversity and inclusion, you're, you're trying to turn it. But turning an oil tanker is really slow at times. It's, it, or, or having to even stop the oil tanker, sort of change direction. And what we want to be is a bit more of a, a streamlined side to that. You know, we'd rather be in a rib and going really quick, agile and turning. And what we want from, from Aston Villa Football Club and, and where we're going to get to is because we, we, we're always going to build bridges. We're never going to um, ridicule um, the club that we love. Yes, we can put pressure in different areas, um, but fundamentally, um, we want to get to a point when, as a football club, they grasp um, what Rainbow Laces campaign might mean to them, what Football Be Homophobia campaign might mean to them, and actually go and go out there and, and, and create their own campaign for LGBTQ plus inclusion, not having to uh, be dictated by, by a league um, like the Premier League, uh, saying that we have to do this in a certain day or weekend because a campaign once a, week, uh, once a year isn't going to change a fat lot. We need to be doing it 365 days. And that's what Villa and Proud is. We're 365 days of campaigning. Uh, we're visible. We are activists. I, know, I never thought I'd be an activist, but we are activists, <laughs> but we're doing that in the most positive possible way. Um, and we get, to, we get to make our great club that we're all attached to a greater club in the world of football. I do want to say that Aston Villa Football Club have a fantastic um, philosophy behind where they want to go. And, and LGBT inclusion is definitely in their, uh, in their, in their vocabulary, something that they want to achieve. And um, they know that it's still a battle in the world of football, but Aston Villa Football Club are, are a fantastic ally. All Villa, no filler. On Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back to All Villa, No Filler. Now it's time for a special edition of this. It's the perfect 11. This is a feature where we build our best ever Aston Villa first 11. Every show we select a new position. Sam, we've selected quite a few players like Mark Bosnich and Paul McGrath already. Who would you pick? Uh, and Alan Hutton. Don't forget Alan Hutton. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Scottish Cafu, yes. Um, <laughs> Sam, in your perfect Villa 11, what players are sticking out to you? Well, growing up, I always remember Steve Staunton. Um yeah, you know, he was always sort of dynamo that I remember. But um, to be fair, it's it's an interesting one because you could easily go down the road where you know I know Jack gets all the plaudits, um, but in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen a player like Jack ever no. at Villa Park. No. Um, but it's a very easy answer to go with Jack Grealish. Uh, no. But how could you not ignore? ignore Jack Grealish I think he would get into any starting 11 with Aston Villa in any decade um, mm. because he's just a completely nutter and the great thing about uh, the great thing about Jack is that and I think the football world now realises that um, his passion for Aston Villa Football Club outweighs 
any kind of budget, any kind of money that's going to get thrown at him. He just, he just wants to be Aston Villa. Where would you put him? Because we've got a bit of a discussion. We've got our kind of, we've got three positions left, really. Uh, we're in a, in a, a 43-1 um, and we've got two more kind of midfielders and, and, and our centre forward. So where would you put Jack in the middle? Would you put him on the left? Where would you? Do you know something? It's interesting. I remember when Jack was out on the left um, and he was, he was sort of being a bit experimental and we were putting him out on the left. And I remember everyone was saying Jack needs to be in the middle. And I was one of those people. Um, when was that? Back in 2019 uh, with Jack and he, him sort of playing about with this left-hand side um, in the middle. I think Jack definitely is out on left because the great thing with Jack is that he draws in the opposition, the fluency. And the thing is with Jack, I think actually, is that he's, he's so inconsistent, not because of his performance, inconsistent with what he's going to do with the ball. Mm. And... And that's where he is as, as a tactician, as a football player, and understanding how to sort of manipulate play and, and have the ball at his feet so many times is, is that no one really knows what he's going to do. Uh, and we can go back to that Liverpool game, the 7-2, and that back four never knew what was going to come with Jack on that day. He was, he was unplayable. Um, but I think he has to be out on the left. We're going to have to pick our striker soon for the perfect eleven. Do you, this is quite. This is a really hard position, I think, because Villa have actually had quite a lot of good strikers over the years. Is there anyone you would pick out personally? I mean, Juan Pablo Angel was always my hero. Um, mm. He always brought something completely different to the. He just came on the stage, didn't he? And he was just. He just came. He, he, he came to the Premier League like you know a, a duck to water. Um, I would say Juan Pablo Angel, uh, in my opinion. But obviously, we have to pick 11, which is crazy. And you think mm. how, that makes people realise just how difficult um, Dean Smith's job actually is. But I think, um, yeah, for me, put Juan Pablo Angel um, as a striker. I thought he was, I thought he was unbelievable. Obviously, Benteke was always a very good, um, yeah, very good shout in recent times. Uh, and and what's even better about Christian Benteke is that he hasn't seemed to do it at any other club. And yeah. Very strange for Villa. Yeah, very strange what's happened with Benteke over the years. Um, Roisin, what do you think of Juan Pablo? Would you would you have him up front? <laughs> I mean, I am a huge Gabby Among the Hall fan, yeah. so I am gonna. I I mean, there's 1982 as well. We can't ignore Peter with. I don't think. Yeah. Um, Dino, how can you have Dalian without his deadly duo partner? I, mm. I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's, it's going to be tough, that one. A lot of people we've interviewed, and, and we ourselves have said, this feels like the most exciting time to have supported Aston Villa in maybe ever of, within our lives. Um, do you, is that something you think as well? And what do you think of this season, Sue? I mean, I must admit, I do think under, uh, it reminds me a lot of Martin O'Neill days. Uh, I thought, you know, I mean, oh my God, we had such a great team then. You think our back four are pretty much a back four that could go into the England squad. I think European prospects are are definitely on the horizon. And And the funny thing is, is that you ask any Villa fan the end of last season with, which I still think is under, underestimated, is that, the, the great escape that genuinely happened last season was unbelievable. I mean, I, as a Villa fan, was already thinking that championship, okay, what's going to happen? We're going to lose Jack. You know, we're going to lose John McGinn. Mm. You know, what are we going to do? 
you know uh we all as football fans now have this conscious brain set about mindset about um financial fair play and all this sort of stuff and but i think how the tables have turned and and this season um this season's such a funny one because we're already three games behind a lot of people around us uh the top five have already played maximum games of 24 and we've got those games to play uh and you just feel that oh if we actually had to play those games we'd be in a, be, be in a position where we would be right now but yeah, I, I think the end of this season, um, categorically, all Villa fans wanted us to finish no less than twelfth, and that would have been anything. So I know, I know, last season was a was a you know it was a, a, a really disappointing season, um, and anything above seventeenth um, is obviously some progress, but we are miles ahead of that, and that just shows yeah. you how football has changed. And to be fair. Um, Aston Villa have broken the Premier League this season. They've broken it in <laughs> many pieces because that Liverpool game mm. has broken the mindsets of so many clubs. Aston Villa in that game against Liverpool, the, 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 the high press that they had was just unbelievable. And I know people will talk about Leeds United, you know, and it was really funny because at the, end, at the beginning of the season, everyone was like, oh my God, the, the football they're playing. Aston Villa with that, but also guessing the results. Um, and we're starting to see a Dean Smith side that, He's, he's built his career around Brentford. You know, it, it is a high-tempo team. You know, mm. he needs energy. He needs a high press. And honestly, when you've got a player like Jack, you know, Ollie Watkins, I think, is, is an unbelievable player. And, yeah. and the, the last thing I'll say on that is that um, I do think the Premier League has a snobbery. I think fans sometimes have a snobbery that um, players from the Championship can't make it. Matty Cash, I mean, you would think he's been in the Premier League every single day of his life mm. because he's just been yep. unbelievable. But yeah, I think Dean Smith is, and it's credit also to our owners because um, I was probably one of those, I was one of those fans last season saying that I think if we stay up, Dean has to go. Mm. Um, and I'm so happy that I've been proven wrong because yeah. the board and the owners understood the issue and that was down to the the way that we were signing, what players we were signing. Um, Just before we go, would you like to let our listeners know where they can find out more about Villa and Proud? Yeah, no, so um, if you want to find out more about Villa and Proud, um, we are on Twitter, uh, which is at Villa and Proud. Um, the same for Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we have a website, um, which is villaandproud.co.uk. Really simple. Um, and yeah, you can you can contact us through our website. You can contact us through um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, yeah, the more we have people interact with stuff, uh, the better we're going to make our football club. So that'll be it from us today. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Uh, we'll speak again soon, I'm sure. Thank you very much. And it's goodbye to you too, Roisin. Bye, Frankie. Up the villa. Goodbye from me, and as ever. Come on, you Villa boys from Aston. Mm-hmm.